What do the Ten Commandments have to do with love? According to Jesus, that is true because he said that the law and the prophets are summed up by loving God with every fiber of our being and loving our neighbor as if they were our being. And what else do we need to remember? These are not the ten accusations. These are not the ten condemnations. These are not the ten indictments. These should be heard as saying, because they are, I am the Lord who redeemed you, who rescued you. Therefore, I have loved you. You are loved by God. And this is how we love. How we love Him and how we love one another. This is what it means to live like an image bearer. What is love? Today we will see this. Love shows honor. Want to say it with me? Love shows honor. Oh, it's awesome. No, I'm loving it. There are two passages I'd like to address today, our primary text and then uh, what I think is a primary text that, is, that really is an echo in the New Testament as well. So Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, it says this, honor your father and your mother. Okay, because not, look, not, six o'clock Saturday night, they jumped on that. I, I, wasn't, I didn't pause on purpose, they interrupted me with enthusiasm. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. So the command begins with this. The main main word, uh, the, the direction of the command is this word honor. Everybody say honor. Now, honor, uh, in, the, in Hebrew, you may not geek out about this too much, but Hebrew is a consonantal language. That means it's a language of consonants. There aren't vowels. You have to find the vowels from the context, and it cre- creates a lot of work. Uh, yes, later on, uh, uh, later on, post the time of Christ, they, they began to insert little dots and lines in, inside the consonants to help people understand what the vowel sounds were. Those are called vowel pointings. But the word honor has, this, has the same consonants as the word glory. And they have, in other words, they have this, it's the same root idea. The word glory is kabod. The word honor is kabad. <laughs> but it means weight. Honor means weight. It means Heavy, weighty. So are we supposed to treat them heavy? It means we are not supposed to treat them lightly. Do not treat, now it's said in the positive, so pardon the negative response here, but do not treat your father and your mother as if they were of little worth. Treat them as having weight, as having value. Care for them, act kindly toward them. And, prohibitively, do not abuse them. Do not take advantage of them. Do not neglect them. And do not steal from them. (laughs) What's, What's going on? Why is there a bunch of amens after that? I don't know what's happening. Something's happening. The Spirit of the Lord is moving in the room. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, whoa, okay, let's keep going. <laughs> uh, honor your father and your mother. Honor them. Equally attributes the requirement to honor toward to the father and the mother. Now, I realize that we're sitting here in 2022, and we're like, well, yeah, yeah, but when this was uttered and etched in stone, we're talking to an, a highly unapologetically so patristic society. And so I think I would posit that it's possible that this kind of command, the way it was said, it was, could be almost as revolutionary as, by the way, there are no other gods but me. And when they were polytheistic, pluralistic, for them to say, no, your allegiance is to just one, for them to say, and now your, the honor that you show, you show equal honor to the father and the mother. Well, now, if we just camp right there, the way we like to do theology is to take this thing that is true and say, well, if that is true, how do we apply it? How does that, as a template, how do we, wow, it becomes a template by which we recognize the, that, that we're still talking, oh, come on. I mean, I, I know where it's going, so I'm excited, so I'm shouting myself down. <laughs> but once again, we've, I, we've said again and again that, this, that the Decalogue is, is the codification, the expression of what of Genesis 1, 26, 27, that we are made in the image of God, and we are made in the image of God, male. So if we're going to honor, it must, the, we, are, we would violate the image giver by honoring one image bearer above or differently than the other image bearer. So this is about being image bearers. But it also applies to the whole idea. I mean, there's just so many things here. But, uh, oh, oh yeah, we're almost there. You can leave it right there. But <clears throat> the idea that for them to, for them to not be allowed to, to um, subjugate one of the parents below the other, but to ascribe honor to them both recognizes the divine command, the divine recognition of equal honor in, the, in the, the male and the female made in the image of God. It was critical to that society. It remains critical today. It, it forces us to remember that it is not okay to mock either parent. It is not okay to say one is the cool one and one is unnecessary. I don't know exactly when it was. I'm not a, a super student of media and all things, but I'm, I know it didn't used to be. We know there are other things, but somewhere in the, in the evolution of particularly American entertainment, perhaps in the early 80s, it became exceedingly fashionable in any familial portrayal to begin to, it was the funny, it was the shtick to portray the father as a fool. Well, it's not only wrong and offensive, it, 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 it's, it violates the fundamental part of the Decalogue. And the, the same, though, would be true more historically to subjugate or to devalue in any way the, mom, the, 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 the woman figure or the, the mom in the relationship to, to demean or to degrade or to lower or to devalue or to somehow create a theology that would, even, that would suggest that one is lesser than the other. That's horse Radish. It's horseradish. I don't have the Greek for that. It 
was critical for that society. It was revolutionary, and this concept remains critical for every society. To honor the home, to protect the home, to, to maintain the image giver's honor that he assigned, that he assigned to the image bearers. This is something we practice. Now, we need to also consider that this, was, this command was, would have been first heard and received by adults or by grown-ups at least. It wasn't that the, you know, Moses got these and after he came, he came down and he, he didn't, he did, you know how some people they have, let's, let's take a break and let's have story time for children. This commandment wasn't, well, let's just talk to the kids and ignore. No, they, these, these, this is so crit, uh, critical because these, are, these would have been heard by grown responsible people and now we're being told how they were told to treat their older than they were parents. So what this does is this corrects was something that was probably or at least very possibly happening or could potentially happen that you could imagine that, par that parents, particularly if they were older and less able to do some of the heavy labor or if they were unable to fight in war, they could have been measured as less valuable if it were perceived they were less able to contribute. But they were not allowed to, uh, to assign their value based on their ability to contribute. Or worse, grown children may have begun to compete for family possessions in order to eliminate their parents from the competition. So parents, as they, as, 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 has anybody ever noticed that as you get older, uh, you find out your parents are human? Sorry, but he's not paying attention, so we're safe. But eventually, <laughs> as you get older, you find out, wait a minute, they are also human. And there is a potential shift that occurs to where we either, we either say, my parents are human, but I will honor them, or they're human, and so what do I need them for? And so this command intersects that place where they begin to grow and say, well, what do I have need of them? I don't need them. I don't, I'm not afraid of them anymore. I don't, they don't need to, I don't need them to change my britches or give me food or whatever. So what, this command intersects and says, simply because you have moved beyond a place where you are in physical need for them, you will maintain honor toward them. And in so doing, it's a command that preserves the dignity and the longevity of every family line. The Lord says, honor them, intentionally treat them with weighty worth. And the command, the, 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 the command was understood and eventually practiced to really be understood, especially as that, that children were to, to care for and to provide uh, for their parents as they aged. Now, and then it's met with this command. Here's the promise, the, the command is met with this promise. So that, do all that, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Just a practical implication of if they do this, it will sustain and perpetuate healthy generations. But what, what's, and that's true, but God is literally saying, he's going to take it personally how we treat the generation above us. If we will honor the generation above us, God will take it personally and he will bless us. He will grant us longevity and prosperity and success. And so we can see that where there has been 
I'm going to skate off the lines here, but where there has been generationally in a family or in a society where there has been a rejection and a rebellion and all that stuff, you can always see that there is a seed, there's the, the seeds of destruction are sown. There's always consequence. Just, you just can't sustain that. Any society is better off when it honors the generation before it instead of rejection, rebellion, and disdain. You know, nothing ever, I don't, you probably don't even know. Some of you remember this statement, don't trust anybody over 30. <laughs> nothing really good came from that. But you know what else? It doesn't do any, does not, don't, you know, don't like anybody less than 30. Don't trust it. Don't, the reverse doesn't work either. Really, the core of this is simply honor between generations. This command tells us, the implications, this command tells us that love shows honor. So here we hear Paul then uh, saying this to us in Romans 12. Be devoted to one another. Everybody say one another. Be devoted to one another in love. And here's a, the, the immediate expression is honor one another above yourself. Honor one another above yourself. Other versions say try to outdo one another in showing honor. The implication is that we are to treat other people as if they were weightier than us. It's not prescribing self-loathing or some sort of false humility, that nonsense talking about treating other people as if they were more honorable. It, I, w I was trying to get a scale, and I might buy one for the green room just to remind us of what it looks like, but you know the kind of scale that does this thing? So it, the, the idea is if I, approach, if I approach Mike and I say, and I'm, I'm supposed to, if I'm going to honor him above myself, I'm, I'm going to almost visualize the two of us on a scale. And I'm going to approach him, and I'm going to treat him as if he's heavier than I am. On that scale, he's heavier than me. I'm going to treat him as if he is of a heavier worth. And I'm going to, I'm going to assign him. I'm going to assume that and then act accordingly. That's what it means to honor others. Now, the immediate implication for us even today, of course, is to show honor to our parents, to care for them, to not treat them lightly. Uh, it's okay to tease your mom in church out loud, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> but we treat them with heavy worth. It is a grotesque evil to sow discord between and to stir contempt among generations. To pit them against each other for the sake of marketing or agenda or leverage is evil. The church then must be a model of undivided generations. And we must be so for the right reasons. Sure, you might say, if you're a, a thinker, you might say, well, now, Pastor Dale, uh, there are some uh, other religions and cultures that 
uh, show honor to uh, the elders. I would say you're right, but by and large, most of them are based on an older concept of ancestral worship. And so they show honor to the elders because they're afraid of what happens if they won't because of the spirits. Or they'll show honor to the elders in order to gain favor or gain power or gain leverage. But, but followers of Jesus, as we're looking at, at the word of God, this command to honor is not based on, on avoiding punishment or gaining their favor. This is an honor that is based on love. We honor because love shows honor. But further, this command teaches us then to treat everyone, regardless of their power or their status, to treat them like they have worth, like they have weight, to treat no one lightly, to treat everyone as if they are heavier than you. Now, for me, that's difficult. <laughs> I have to really use my imagination, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, uh, but it, when I think about treating, it, and I worry sometimes people hear that, and I just, and I don't mean to pick on anybody, maybe I pick on myself, but don't hear that and hear that as entitlement. Well, good, I'm gonna expect everybody to treat me a certain way. Bless God, they better treat me like I matter. The command is not honor yourself above everyone else. <laughs> the command is treat others that you take the initiative and treat others that way. This command implemented honor in the core of society by placing it in the core of the home. We tend to export our culture of origin. Our culture of origin, that where how we were nurtured and you know all of the, and, and how we were raised and where we were from, all of that becomes a culture of origin for the good or for the bad, and we tend to bring that with us and ex export it into our world around us. In this case, the prescription or the hope is that that culture will be honor. Right. Honor is learned and practiced at home. And when it is learned and practiced at home, consider this, if it would be learned and practiced at home by many, then it will create a culture of honor where people are not treated lightly as if they have no value, but they are treated as if they have heavy worth. Honor is a proactive ethic. It assigns people a heavy worth, it credits them with heavy worth, and then acts accordingly. It doesn't wait for them to prove it. It doesn't, it doesn't evaluate them first. It acts first. And it continues to practice kindness and respect, even if it's not reciprocated. You and I make a dozen small choices every day on how or if we will honor people. our friends or our family, our coworkers, a dozen times a day, you and I will, will it almost subconsciously ask a question, who's heavier, and then act accordingly. What do you mean, Deb? Well, we measure people or measure their worth with eye contact, whether or not we will listen, how we respond to them, how we speak, 
if we are curt or if we are polite, if we are demeaning or we are respectful, if we are, if we are grumpy or we are joyful, the interest that we give to people, the empathy we have toward them, what we assume about their motives, oh, mercy. Like you have any knowledge, how you, you have no ability to assume someone's motive, but you, that oftentimes is the first thing we assume. We see a behavior and we think, well, this must have been their motive. Like we have that capacity. Bottom line is whether or not we will practice Matthew 7, 12, will we treat people, do unto others, will we treat them the way we would hope, we, we would desire to be treated? This is honor. Now, we need to have, a, there is, you might say, yeah, but what about? Okay, well, let's talk about the concession. What about people who are just not honorable? What about people who are harsh or toxic or mean or have betrayed us or hurt us or harmed us in some way? What do we do with them? Well, we begin at the beginning. This command begins at the beginning with parents, so let's begin at the beginning. Consider Jacob and Laban in the story of Genesis. If you don't know it well, you might have heard of it. Jacob is Abraham's grandson. His mom has arranged for him to, uh, to marry a, a, a relative, and her brother, his mom's brother, Laban, is a rascal. And so Laban becomes Jacob's father-in-law. And Jacob uh, is tricked by Laban into doing all kinds of things. You know the story. It's, kind of, it, it, it's sort of romantic on one end, but it's also really, he's really a rascal on the other. He has to work seven years for his daughter. Turns out he marries the wrong, the wrong one, the different one, so he has to work seven more years. And that's just the beginning. There's trickery. There is uh, betrayal. Uh, there is um, unkindness. Laban was a parent who took advantage of, who oppressed, and lied to a son. How did they handle that? Well, if you read the story, eventually the way it was settled was to set up a boundary. They set up a boundary. Then they mutually agreed. They set up a boundary that they, here's the words, we will not cross over this boundary in order to harm one another. We have set up a boundary to prevent further harm. Not to promote hostility. The boundary did not promote hostility. The boundary prevented further harm. I hope so, because it just did. <laughs> it was not a militarized border. It was a margin for honor. Honor sets boundaries in order to prevent harm and in order to promote peace. This happens in family. This should happen in other relationships and even in society. Instead of, instead of aggression and retaliation, honor says we will put a boundary here. Healthy boundaries help us preserve honor. Another question that we have is, well, how does this command, because these, these commands do, Paul tells us, we know from our New Testament theology that these commands awaken an understanding. They teach us that we need a Savior. How does this command point to and reveal ultimately our need for a Savior? Well, again, there wouldn't, if it weren't a problem, if, if, if there weren't friction, if there weren't risk, if there weren't a divide between generations, we wouldn't even see this command. In other words, there's a problem somewhere. There's a problem. Why in the world would parents and children have this breakdown? What's the root of it? It's because the image bearer has fallen. 
mankind made in the image of God, but all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And now, in our carnality and our sin, there's enmity, hostility, there's rebellion, there's resentment, there's rejection. And it's manifested not only towards God, but that it's manifested whenever that, whatever the relationship is between image bearer and image giver, between us and God, is always manifest between us and others. Others in authority, others around us. This com- we see that wherever there is resentment of legitimate and godly authority, we see our need for a Savior. We see that there's been brokenness. Be- where because of our fear or because of our pride, there's hostility or cynicism. We need peace with God. But the Bible says that we have peace with God. We have been justified just as if we'd never say we can have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that Jesus comes to restore, firstly, our relationship with God. And that as he does that, the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit then begins to transform and to reconcile and redeem our relationships with one another. We need a Savior. We need a Savior who came and said, follow me. And that what he did was, he said that the greatest among you will be the servant of all. Our Savior said, I came to serve and not to be served. We need to be born again. We need to be cleansed. We need to receive the Holy Spirit so that we can relearn as image bearers to walk in love and show honor. What impact would you have on those around you if you honored others above yourself? Whether or not they noticed, whether or not anybody else notices, my wife pulled into the parking lot today, and in order to help the fam, I jumped on the back of the bumper and rode it out through there. And someone said, "Well, did you enjoy your parade today?" I said, "I always do." <laughs> but whether or not you get a parade for honoring someone. Will you honor them? Will you do it because it's what love does? Can you imagine a family that practiced a culture of honor? What if our families exported that culture into our community? What if we exported that culture into our workplace? Does anybody have faith that your workplace can be influenced by honor? (laughs) What about the marketplace? Ready to buckle up, get your faith on. No, I was going to say, what if you could export it into traffic, but... We'll just move on. We live in a fallen world. Someday, someday. 
I did say marriage at the start. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can believe all that, Dab, but not marriage. Woo! Thanks, Mrs. Dab. Well, let's pray. Um, what if we were instigators of a society that treated others with honor, that ascribed heavy worth to them regardless of their power or their status? Imagine a culture of honor. God did. God imagined it. And he said, it needs to start at home toward our mother and our father. And he promised that if we would, we would never regret it. That is love. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you loved us first and most. Thank you that you came and you literally came not to be served, but to serve. That you gave your life as a ransom. That you came, though being God, very God, treated humanity as having more worth by literally giving your life for us. To save us from our sin, to save us from the power of Satan, freeing us from darkness, we might live in your light, giving us your Holy Spirit to sanctify and empower us as the down payment of the age to come, of heaven itself. So Lord, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit today? Would you revolutionize our hearts, our minds by cleansing us by baptizing us. Lord, we repent of hostility and resentment of competition. Lead us, Lord, because of love. Lead us to honor, we pray. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside. our hearts and our lives. We thank you for loving us first and most. 
We continue, Lord. We thank you that we, that we live now by the power of your spirit. So, Lord, help us today to walk in your spirit, to keep in step with your spirit as we follow Jesus together. In Christ's name, everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Be honorable. Be kind to somebody on your way out. Thanks for being here today. God bless you.